Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. You may be seated. I caught a thought. How many of you parents in the room, I'm talking to all the parents that are here now, how many of you have ever caught yourself doing something that your parents did? You, you, you remember it as something mom and dad did, and then when you, did it, when you did it, you were like, oh my God, I am my father's son, or I am my mother's daughter. Growing up, the funnest thing that I used to do with my dad was we would play a game called Monster. And what would happen was, I've got three brothers, um, James, Jacob, Jordan. My name is Josh. I name my kids Jaden, Jackson, and Jude because I'm just that guy, okay? I'm just that guy. Um, and apparently we can't make girls. So me and my brothers would play this game with my dad, and he would be the monster, and we'd all hide, and my dad would come out, and he would scare us, right? And, and that was, to me, the funnest thing that we could do. And I would tell my dad, Dad, can we play monster tonight? Dad, can we play monster tonight? And then as, as, as we got older, my dad got more advanced in his monster techniques, and one, one occasion, I remember hiding from my dad, and my mom had these decorative, um, like, like, baskets, these wicker baskets, these decorative whisk, wicker baskets, and, and I jumped inside one thinking, he's never going to find me in it. And when my dad went out to be the monster, he went right up to that wicker basket, and he smacked it over, and I come, like, popping out, right? And I am bawling. I mean, I am crying because he terrified me, right? I mean, if they were giving out an award for monster of the year, my dad won it, okay? He scared me me so bad. And I remember crying and thinking, oh, you know what? My dad went too far. I mean, I was in my feelings. I was like, what is wrong with this man? He scared a child and he's a grown man. You know, my eight-year-old mind was trying to reason. I'm like, why in the world would he go so hard on a child? Well, now I'm the monster, okay? And my kids are the ones that are running. And the other day I was playing monster with my kids because they like playing monster. And I was joking around that I was catching them and putting them in the dungeon, which is our closet. And so I'm going through all of that. And I remember scaring Jude, my middle child, and he thought he, he had hid in the best space possible. And when I grabbed him and I totally shocked him, I, I, I saw my son begin to cry. And he's just bawling his eyes out. And I'm getting flashbacks. I am my dad right now. Because I remember as a kid thinking, you went too far. And I'm like, Josh, you went too far. So I caught myself in that moment doing exactly what my dad used to do. And I think you all got your moments, right? If you're honest with yourself, you found yourself saying something, doing something where you're like, oh, my Lord, I am just like my father. Now, as silly as that, um, as silly as that, 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 that um, story is, I think what it does is it, it really paints the point And it really paints the picture that what we see our parents do is something that we will very likely end up doing ourselves. The things that we see mom and dad model to us are the things that we're going to end up doing with our life. And today, as we were had a moment to talk to the parents, if I could just continue that conversation, mom and dad, let me just tell you that whatever you do sets normalcy for your child. So if you speak well to your wife and you treat her like a queen and, and, and you demonstrate that she, she's the, the most important person in the house, well, guess what your kids are seeing? That's the way you treat a woman. That's the way you treat a female. 
That's the way you treat a mom. That's the way you treat a spouse. Now, if you don't do that and you don't treat her like that, that's the level of normalcy that you are setting for your children. And that's pretty much how they're going to do it when they get older. And so as mom and dads, we have this incredible responsibility to make sure that we are modeling that behavior. Now, as I, as I transition into this whole series of loneliness and disconnected mom and dad, if you grow up feeling like you're lonely, mom and dad, if you, if you grow up feeling like, if you grow up feeling like, um, like that you, you're lacking relationships or, or you're living in isolation or, Pastor, this, this series is really resonating with me because I feel lonely, because I feel like I am disconnected, because I feel like I don't have real relationships. Your kids are seeing that. Your kids are watching that. If, if they see you more connected to your phone than they see you connected with them, they're picking up on that. And so while we are more connected digitally than we've ever been before, relationally, we're more disconnected than we've ever been. And in this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 30, Moses is just about to die. He has, he has lived now 120 years. He's roughly 120 years old, and he's about to pass away, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel, and he gives them this instruction that they have the opportunity to choose life or to choose death But what he says is whatever choice you make, if you choose life, your descendants will live. If you decide to choose death, if you go opposite of following the word of God, if you go opposite of following his precepts, if you go opposite of following his laws, if you go opposite of following his principles, Moses is saying things won't end well for you and they won't end well for your kids. And so the first thing I want you to write down is as parents, our choices or our behavior will affect our children. That's why Moses said, Israel nation, this is the most important thing you can do. Make the right choice. Make the right choice. Because if you get this choice right, it's going to positively impact your children. And as parents, how many of you we can make some rough choices sometimes? Well, come on, let's be honest here, mom and dad. We can make some bad choices. I remember, see, the thing about raising three boys is they never stop fighting. Any parents of boys in the room know what I'm talking about? It's just like, it's always a competition. It's like, Dad, I wanted to sit there. I'm like, there's two other seats, son. At home, I've got four bars. I got, uh, I got four bar stools, and, and we have one of those, like, breakfast bars at the house. And uh, the, the, this, this uh, counter, this uh, kitchen island. And they always fight every single day. Who gets to sit on the first chair? You can just imagine my mornings, right? I'm like, are we going to fight over the chair again? And there's been times when I've tried to discipline them, but I'm like, man, you were a little over the top today. How many parents can admit uh, maybe that was a little extra? Probably didn't need to say that, didn't need to use that decibel or, you know, could have kept my hand to myself, whatever it was, right? Sometimes we make those choices and we're like, man, that was not a great choice. And as parents, we don't always get it right. So how do we fix that? How how do we fix our choices if our choices and our behavior are ultimately going to affect our children? They're going to model that. Pastor, what's the fix there? Is it simply behavior modification? Do I modify my behavior so that I am able to make a better choice? Actually, let me propose to you something just a little different. Let me propose to you the cognitive triangle. Let's get that up on the screen. And the cognitive triangle simply states this, that our behavior, our choices, is influenced by our feelings, which is influenced first by our thoughts. And so your thoughts impact your feelings, and then your feelings impacts your behavior, your choices. 
So if you want to make better choices, you don't try to modify the behavior. First, you have to fix the feelings by fixing your thoughts. If you can get your thoughts right, you'll get your feelings right. And if you get your feelings right, you'll get your behavior right. And once you get your thoughts and your feelings and your behavior in the right place, then, then your behavior will begin to change now your feelings and your thoughts. But it starts with the thoughts first. Whatever you think first then impacts your feelings, which then impacts the things that you do. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We become what we think. We become what we think. So whatever we think about ourselves is who you are. If you think you are unworthy, you will begin to live like you're not worthy. If you think from places of insecurity, then you're going to live out a life of insecurity. If you think you're not good enough, your behavior will be, you will go ahead and behave like you're not good enough. And so in order to change the behavior, you've got to change the way you think because the way that you think is who you are. As a man thinks, so is he. My next point, we change our behavior then by changing the way we think. Okay, pastor, so I'm going to change my behavior. i got to change the way I think. So how do I change the way I think? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we can. And I'm going to read from the, the Passion Translation. This isn't the, the way I grew up reading this passage of Scripture, but I love the way it reads in the Passion Translation. It says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Watch this. I love this. We capture like prisoners of war every thought. Somebody say every thought. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the anointed one. We have got to catch these thoughts that are lying in our ears and telling you, you are not good enough. And take that thought and say, I'm going to subject that thought to the foot of the Savior. I'm going to take that thought and make that thought bow down to the anointed one. I've got to capture that thought before that thought captures me. You've got to grab a hold of that thought before that thought grabs a hold of you. Listen, you do not have a passive role in your thinking. You do not play a passive role in the things that you are thinking that is putting you in your feelings that is making you make bad choices. You are active. Listen, many of you have got to get onto the field of your mind and start taking captive every single negative thought that is running around in your head. Listen, you are the landlord, and that negative thought is trying to squat on the property of your mind that you own, and you've got to evict that thing. There is, it's, like an, it's like a family member that has overstayed its welcome, and you're just looking for ways to get them out of your house. How many know what I'm talking about? When Jerome been in your house a little longer than you want him to be there when your cousin Jose has overstayed his welcome. Anytime you get a negative thought in your head, you've got to evict that thing and tell it you've got to go. You don't get to take up real estate in my mind. You've got to be active in that thing. You can't be passive in your thinking. When, 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 when something happens and you begin to think a negative thought, capture that thing and say, you know, not today. 
I know that girl cut me off on the freeway, but not today. I know that she gave me a nasty look, but not today. I know that dude flipped me off on the way to work, but not today. I know that person was talking about me, and they've been lying on me, and they've been spreading all kinds of rumors about me, but not today. You don't have to think that thought. You don't have to get to a place of isolation and loneliness because you allowed those thoughts to run rampant in your mind. Let me give you an example. Some of you are thinking, but Pastor Josh, I mean, I just am not at that stage of life that you are in. And I've got a deep appreciation for people who are on the way up. People that are building their careers. People that are in school. People that are raising young children and raising family. I'm going to turn 40 years old this year. So I get that some of you in your 20s are not where I am. And that's okay. But can I tell you there's a word that is so powerful. It is made up of three letters. And if you would learn how to say this word, it will help you change your thoughts. Everybody repeat it after me. Repeat yet. A little bit, a little bit louder. Say yet. That is a powerful word because some of you think, I just don't have the house of my dreams. But if you would flip that and say, I don't live in the house of my dreams yet, you can begin to take that thought captive. You might be thinking, I'm not in the career that I want. But you can flip that and say, I don't have the career that I want yet. I'm not business. God called me to run Yet, I'm not serving the kingdom of God to my greatest capacity yet. And this is a life-giving posture that we have when we learn to say yet. Because I know what it's like to be in the hustle and in the grind and to look around and think, am I ever going to get there? Learn the power of yet because it will change the way you think. My body's not the way that I want it to be yet. I'm working on it. My marriage isn't in the place that I want it to be yet. I'm working on it. I was having, um, there's, a, there's a dear friend of mine, he just so happens to be in the room right now, and he came and visited me at work, my, my dear friend Alvin, and, and Alvin came to visit me at work earlier this week, and, and I love it because I had already written my message, and he came to talk to me, and I was asking me, I was asking him, how are your kids doing? He's got great kids, and, and, and I've been there through his life, and I've been, they um, when I was a youth pastor at our old church, his kids were in youth ministry. As a matter of fact, I think I got one or two gray hairs that are that is because of your kids, Brother Alvin. I think it's your fault. Just kidding. But I love my brother. But as we got to talking, he, he said that without even knowing. And, and, and I got to experience it first time when, he, when I was asking about the kids. He says, you know, they ain't coming to church yet. Yet. Right away, he did not allow that to become, listen, that, that thought can go in two ways, right? Man, they ain't coming to church. And you can get in your feelings. And you can start thinking, good Lord God, you gave me these kids, they won't listen. I raised them, and they ain't coming to church. Or you can say, they ain't coming to church yet. Do you see how it changes everything when you capture that thought? Do you see how it immediately captures all the feelings that you got going on in your head and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to get into my feelings that's going to allow me to make bad choices because I allowed a negative thought to live inside of my head. I'm going to capture that negative thought and I'm going to make it bow down to God's plan. And I just choose to believe that God wants better for me than I want for myself. We talked about, we, we sang this beautiful song earlier today about the reckless loves of God. As, as hard as it is to imagine parents in the room, he loves your children more than you love your children. He does. And he loves you more than you love yourself. He loves your spouse more than you love your spouse. God loves you more than you know and more than you. And so you have got to believe that God has a plan. And it's a posture of saying it's not happening Yet, but it's going to happen.
Pastor Josh, I, that, I think that's just a lot of positive thinking. It's not positive thinking. It's actually the word of God. And I love it when science begins to catch up with scripture. It's the precepts of God first, and then there's science that comes behind that. It's like, da-da. Science and scripture are not in opposition. They're, they're, they're always together, together. And, 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 and if I can get scientific with you for just a moment, I'm not going to be here too long, but in the science of epigenetics, the science of epigenetics states that our thoughts and our choices impact our physical condition, our body, our mental health, and our spiritual development. That's what science says, yo. I'm getting away from the word of God and tell you that science says that your thoughts will impact your physical condition, your thoughts will impact your body, your mental health, and your spiritual development. And so if a negative thought can run your body down, imagine what a positive thought could do. If a negative thought can cause you to get into a funk, imagine what a positive thought could do. Imagine what a God thought can do. I said, imagine what a life-giving, life-altering thought can do when we can get that into our minds. But in addition to that, the study, the science of epigenetics also states that these thoughts began to make imprints on our DNA. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so the brain follows your thoughts, okay? Don't think for a second that your brain is in charge and then your thoughts follow. It's actually your thoughts and then your brain will follow your thoughts. Your brain is actually a passive muscle in your body. Everything that your brain causes you to function and do, it does because it learned that. So all of the steps that we take in the morning, everything from the way you get out of bed to how you put on your shoes to how you brush your teeth, your brain learned that. It's passive. So it is passive in the thought process as well. And so if you, all you got going on in your head is negative thinking, your brain begins to wire that way. It's nothing but negative, negative, negative. But if you begin to think well and think positive, you can begin to perform your own brain surgery without ever having to go to the doctor. It's just changing the way that you think, and your brain begins to respond to that. Listen, you can even go back in time. This is another example. You can even go backwards and look at traumatic experiences over your life, and if you would begin to see the goodness of God through all of that, you can totally change your posture. How many have ever been through something that in the moment it looked like all hell was breaking loose? But give it a decade. Give it five years. Give it seven years, or maybe it's even just give it a year. And when you look back, you realize it was God that was working some things in your life, and he was removing things out of my life, and he was purging things out of my life. And when you look back at those things, you could either get in a funk or you can allow yourself to get in faith and say, now I know why I had to go through what I had to go through because God had something bigger for me. Now I know why I had to do, I had to experience that because God was doing a bigger thing through me. As I've shared with some of you all here, we had the opportunity of launching this church. And for those of you that are, that have, uh, that are joining us for the first time, we are only a 10-month-old church. We are only 10 months old. This thing barely got going in, Mar in, in March of last year. So we got a big one-year anniversary party coming up at the end of next month. So stick around. It's going to be incredible. But I shared with you all that I thought that I would have launched a church in my 20s. But now I look back and I realize that God was with me every step of the way. And I thank God that he did not allow me to start a church in my 20s because I probably would have made a mess of it. But at 38 years old, I can look back and see that God was in it. I can look back and see that God had a plan. I can look back and see the goodness of the Lord. 
And, 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 and that right there, that, that, that statement, the goodness of the Lord, I need you to grasp that. I need you to take that home with you, and I need you to use that language more often. When you learn to see the goodness of the Lord, because you can look at a bad situation. If you choose to see it through the lens of the goodness of the Lord, you'll see God working through that. I can see the goodness of the Lord through it. I can see the goodness of the Lord. He was with me. I can see the goodness of the Lord. He was preparing me. I can see the goodness of the Lord. He was molding me. And sometimes the worst things that have ever happened to you was really God's way of setting you up for a step up. So he set you up for the step up that he was getting ready to do in your life. He didn't want you to enter into it then. He had to remove some things in your life because when he was getting ready to release you, he needed to get you to another place. He needed to get you into another level. He needed to get the right relationships in your life so that when you go, now you go with God having prepared you for where you are going. And, and this is why. This is why Moses tells the nation of Israel, if I bring you back to our text, he said, make a choice today. You got to make a choice today. Which, are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? But he's telling them the choice is yours. The choice is yours. And you know what's crazy about this point in time? Is if you go back 40 years before, exactly 40 years before Moses is up there giving this speech to Israel. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. 40 years before they had the opportunity to go into the promised land. But the Bible says that there was 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan. That was the promised land. And two came back and said, we can do it. And Ted said, there's no way we can do it. There was ten that were afraid to go forward because of their thoughts. They didn't think the way that they needed to think in order to step into the next season that God had for them. Only two came back and said, we got them. Are they big? Yeah. Is, is the land harsh? Yeah. But you want to know what we got on our side that they don't have? We got the King of Kings and we've got the Lord of Lords. We have Yahweh on our side. He says he is the great I am. So whatever we need him to be, that's what he becomes. When we need God to be a provider, he's a provider. When we need God to be a healer, he can be a healer. When we need God to be a deliverer, he can be a deliverer. Why? Because the great I am is on our side. And if the great I am is on our side, there's no enemy too big. There's no mountain too harsh. There's nothing that can stand against us because we have the great I am on our side. But only two people thought like that. Thoughts become feelings and feelings affect our choices. And because 10 came back and said we can't do it, they didn't enter into their promised land and they didn't grab that negative thought and make it bow down to the anointed plans of God. If you feel like you're lonely, you got to capture that thought and say, no, 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 no. I'm not alone. God is with me. He's always been there with me. The Bible says he's a father to the fatherless. But my dad was never around. You want to know who was around? He was around. He never missed a game. He never missed a birthday. He was always there. You just got to shift to see it now. Shift your perspective. Get to a place where you can see that God is there. And I'm coming to a close now. When I've, there's been times is you've got to step back and, and, and realize that he's been there. This is such a helpful exercise. I encourage all of you to do it. Take some time. Get out a journal. Y'all know I'm big about my journals, right? I keep talking about journals. For those of you who have been with us on a 10-month journey, you know, like, man, that pastor, he likes his journals. I do. I'm constantly writing stuff out. That's the way God speaks to me. I, 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 I get a blank piece of paper, and I write on it. Why do I feel this way? And it's like God starts God, it's like he's writing a letter back to me because he starts speaking to me. 
and I'm writing down the answer. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. I, I challenge some of you to get a piece of paper this evening, this week, whenever. Make some time. Ask God some questions. Write it out. And then be quiet because sometimes you just complain to God too much so you can't hear him talk even when he's trying to talk because you're just complaining the whole time. Sorry. I know that's hard. Tough. I love you. I love you. Love you. But listen, sometimes you just got to stop talking and let God talk. You can't hear him because you don't ever stop talking. And God needs to talk. And typically when God talks, he talks in a whisper. He ain't going to yell at you. Go look at the scriptures. Most of the time when God spoke, it was very, very quiet. He spoke in a whisper. And so listen, I challenge some of you to do that. God, why did I have to go through that? And allow the Holy Spirit to just start speaking to you. And you'll see what God does. And you'll see how God will begin to show you. I was with you. I know you felt alone, but I was there. I know it felt like the worst thing that ever happened to you, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Learn to see me. Learn to feel me. Learn to hear me in that. When I um, graduated from Bible college, um, what? that's only semi-right. I was halfway through Bible college. I wasn't quite done yet. And um, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry. I knew that this was something that God had called me to do. And um, so my first job um, working in a church, man, my pastor let me go 18 months into it. And I was a few months away from getting married. And I thought, okay, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. I thought for a second, like, I guess I'm not as good at this as I thought I was. And, and it was really, really easy for me to, to, to stay in that funk and say, you know, forget this. I, I had this wrong. This is not what I need. And, and, and I, ran after, I, I, I ran after a corporate job, and I ran after education. My first degree was in theology, so I got my bachelor's in business management. And then I went and got my master's degree in supply chain management. And so I, I, got, I got really educated. I said, you know what, forget this. I can do this on my own, and I'm just going to just get my degrees, and I'm going to work in defense contracting. And there I was working, hustling. And, and, and then, you know, 10 years into that, God circled back to me. And he started challenging me. He said, I want you to lay down your life, and I want you to lay down your career, and I want you to follow me. And I had to come to terms with that pain. It's like, but God, there's so much pain attached to being let go of what I thought I was supposed to do. And God began to say, I had to get you out of that situation because I had something better for you. If I would have left you there, you would have been content with 50% of what I was getting ready to do in your life. So I had to get you out of that space because I have more for you. And I know it hurt. I know it hurt for a moment. But when you survived that pain, you saw my goodness and you saw that I had something bigger for you. I had something better for you. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in that. And when I did that, we, we just like unshackled ourselves from the past and unshackled ourselves from those negative experiences. And then I began to see how God used all of those experiences for who I am today. Come on, that's why it all came full circle. Sometimes I get around a group of pastors. They've never worked outside of the church like a day in their life. You know what I'm saying? And you put an Excel file in front of them, they're just like lost. They're like, what is that? I'm like, you never worked a real job, did you? <laughs> I'm like, give me that file. Let me see. Let me show what I can do with it. And I can maneuver and work my way through budgets and stuff like that. And, and you know, I, I, it was like God was saying, now you know why I put you through all that school. Now I know why I put you that career. That career prepared you for where you're at today. You thought your preparation was going to come in a Bible college? No, 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 no. I had bigger preparation for you. I had preparation for you that no, that no seminary was going to teach you. Sometimes some, of these, my, sometimes some of these pastor friends of mine who are been in this for years will get a hold of me. Josh, what do I do about this? Because it's the business side of the house. That, that's just 
I can thrive in that environment. And I've learned to see that experience and see it for good. And you know, this is what we do in growth track. Every Sunday at the end of our service, we have growth track. Today we have growth track. And in growth track, we teach you that you have spiritual gifts. We want to come alongside you to help you discover your purpose. Today my wife is teaching, and she's a beast, y'all, okay? My beautiful wife, Joanna, is teaching step two of growth track. And, and, and in growth track, we teach you to see how even your past experiences and even your pain shapes the spiritual gifts that God has inside of you. And so if you've never been to growth track, this is my invitation to you. Stick around today right after service. We're going to head over to the growth track room. We got food for you. We're going to watch your kids. We want to make sure that you're all taken care of and comfy, okay? But I'd love for you to stick around for growth track because we want to come alongside you and help you discover the purpose that God has for your life. We don't want to be one of those churches that preaches to you to get your stuff together but not show you a plan on how to do it. And so we want to help you discover your spiritual gifts, and we want to help you discover your, your, leader, your leadership ability and your personality. We want to help you. We want to walk with you through all of that. So you got to get to growth track. It's going to really help you connect with some of the things I'm saying right now. We are like, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me, but I don't know what to do next. I'll see you at growth track. I'm going to help you with what to do next. Let me show you one final scripture. James 121. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with, me with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls when you when you get all of that when you get all of that negative stuff out of your mind when you when you get all of that negative stuff out of there you got to replace it with the implanted word of god and i love the way that james said that james says the word of god implants itself in you that's beautiful language that's beautiful language y'all to think that the word implants itself into my heart. You need to get more of that in you so that when those negative thoughts come, no, 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 I got the word of God on the inside of me and I'm not going to believe that mess for my life because that's a lie because I know the truth. When you know the truth, you can discern a lie. How many good at discerning fake people here? How many good on that? You're like, that's a buster. That's a poser. That guy, he's not the real deal. Come on. He's so fake. Some of y'all good at that, right? Do that with your thoughts. Do that with your thoughts. When those negative thoughts and those fake thoughts that says you're a mess. No, no, no. You know, I'm not a mess because the Bible says I am a son of God made in his likeness and made in his image. So that thought is a fake. It's got to go. When they say there's no way that your marriage is going to survive the mess that it's going through right now. No, 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 no. You see, my Bible says that a threefold cord will not be easily broken. It's me, my wife, and God. That's three cords. It ain't going to break. The next time they come at you and say your kid are a mess and they'll never amount to anything. No, 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 no. My Bible says train up a child in the ways of the Lord and when he gets older, he's not going to depart from it. You've got to get this thing and implant it in your heart. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Get this word. Put it in your heart. And when those negative thoughts come, no, nah, no, nah, that's a fake. That ain't real because that's not what God said. It's not what God said. Right there, would you close your eyes and just lean in? We're going to pray. Father, in your name, we thank you, God, for everything. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.